I don't know how people do their life without the Lord. I understand their sadness. I really do. I understand their frustration. But ugh, my whole life would be entirely different if I hadn't have made the decisions that I did. And he's one of my favorite people, Jesus. <laughs> it's so much fun. Welcome to the Extraordinary Lives Podcast, where we talk about lives that go beyond the ordinary to the extraordinary, with the extra being Jesus. We'll be encouraged with amazing stories and helpful insights from the lives of ordinary people who have that extra, that supernatural difference that only Jesus can give. I'm your host, Ellen Bennett. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to welcome Callie Hendrickson to the show. She is a sweet friend who happens to work at Santa Fe Christian as an art teacher. She's amazing. She is generous, tender-hearted, compassionate. She loves the Lord, and she's also a lot of fun and very <laughs> cheerful. And the students love her there, of course. How could they not? <laughs> and she's also a good friend of my daughter, Haley. So welcome, Callie. I'm so glad you're here. Oh, thank you, Ellen. It's a pleasure to be part of your podcast today. <laughs> Yay! So let's get started with your family background. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up. Sounds good. So I am actually a fourth generation native Montanan, which is a big deal these days. Yes. <laughs> My great grandfather, he was one of the first people to drive the tour buses in Yellowstone Park. My grandfather, who grew up there, he was in World War II. My father was a teacher and I have one older sister. She's a nurse, and she still lives in Montana, as does my whole family. My mother is retired now, but she had a lot to do with the banking world back okay. in the day. Great. Boy, what a beautiful place to grow up. Montana is just so gorgeous. It is a very beautiful place to live, for sure, and you just have to be able to survive those winters. <laughs> oh my goodness, I cannot imagine, especially living in San Diego and Amen. growing up in the South. <laughs> oh, well, my hat is off to you then. Tell me a little bit about your relationship with Jesus. How did you even come to know him? And sometimes we use the phrase, follow Jesus. What does that mean? Well, I think I'll start with what I think about following Jesus and okay, then tell you how good. that kind of trickled down for me. But I really think that following Jesus has to be more than just knowing about him and more than reading the Bible and studying what his character is. I think even just being a teacher, you know that people learn differently. And when someone learns something, they have to be able to work it into their life. And so I think you go through an exploratory phase where this is what everybody says Jesus is. And I don't know what I think about that. And then you go through your like test the waters adolescence phase, and then you grow in your hunger to know him. And so I think that following Jesus for me has meant listening to his voice and forming a friendship. I just have always been in a pursuit of, I guess, a hunger to know him and not just be a textbook about it, but to actually know the Lord. I love that. I hear an emphasis on relationship, even friendship, yeah. and not just knowing in your head, but actually with our heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then to answer your other question, how did I come to know Jesus? When I was seven, I received Jesus 
church was kind of my social of the week. I really enjoyed it. I loved worship as a kid too. And so I accepted Jesus, but more on the premise of, I just want to be where everyone is. Transition from there then, I've never had a moment in my life where I didn't believe in God or I didn't want Jesus in my life anymore. So you can say that I have solidly never walked away, but I kept growing in hunger and a desire. So in my wrestling matches, the ups and downs, the mountain summer camp moments to the what is happening in my life valleys, my family went through a real rough spot towards my end of high school career. (laughs) And at that time, I was reading the book of Romans and the Holy Spirit was prompting me about this question with baptism, like, why is that important? And I thought there was no way around it that it was important for me to be baptized and maybe that if I was immersed in water, that that would be what the change was. Mm. That the things that I wrestled with or the things that were hard for me, that were pushing against my life and against my faith, maybe all of that would go away if the baptism card was in place. So I didn't tell my parents. I pedaled my bike down to the church and it just so happened that they were having baptism services that weekend. And I got myself baptized in a river in Montana. Hey, before we move on, Kelly, I do have a quick question. You mentioned getting baptized. Did you see a change with the baptism or was that something that was important, but yet it was a physical thing versus spiritual? Did that have an impact? I am so glad that you asked this question because I remember that day being so full of joy. And I think it's because a lot of the traditions we have in Christianity are to help you understand community. That publicly you have stood before people who knew you since you were knee high to a grasshopper. Yes, yes. (laughs) And you said, I'm gonna follow the Lord, he's my choice. And to me, I'm not a public person. I'm a very mind my own business introvert. But that day I was so filled with joy. I remember the worship songs. It was like the Lord had written them for me. Like this is your favorite songs and going all out that day for it. And I think the high lasted for a little bit, to be honest. But I actually had the same wrestling after too. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. that's fair. I started college and I ended up going to a different church, which pretty much was the game changer for me. I think that the Lord leads you on a bit of a paper trail in your life, like through a connection or through one word that it all kind of trails together in the end and it forms this beautiful story. So that choice introduced me to a mentor who had done Youth with a Mission, which is a huge part of my story. And because I met her and because she had told me about YWAM, my senior year of college, I had turned my life upside down, basically. I had done student teaching and hated it. (laughs) I broke up with my boyfriend at the time. It was just like everything that you thought you had going for you, you were then questioning. And my mentor said to me, she's like, you know, you're never going to have the answers for what to do with your life until you solve the 
space between you and God. Like whatever it is that you're wrestling with there, your trust in him, your ability to lean in him, that he made you for a divine purpose. Until you can answer that, you're not going to know what to do with your life. And so, yeah, from there, I was working one afternoon at this coffee shop that I managed all the way through college. And I remember distinctly the sunbeams came in through the window and they engulfed me. And I felt like the Lord's presence was standing right before me because my smile erupted and I was filled with joy. And it was so tangible. Like nobody else was in the coffee shop, Mm -hmm. just me. But I heard him say to me in my heart, he said that if I did YWAM, my life would never be the same. But if I chose to stay in Montana, that my life would stay exactly as it had been. And (laughs) so then I had a vision and I pictured like what my life would be like if I stayed and I could see myself just married and still trying to find a job and still working the hardship of the hard life in Montana. And all that joy that I just felt like just rushed out of me. I was like, I can't, I literally can't do that. So I went home and I Googled YWAM because I had no idea what Youth with a Mission was. Yes. And the first search that came up was this school for music, art, and dance. And it was six-month school and part of their discipleship training program. And I had this gut instinct that was like, that's the one, just apply, let's do it. I didn't even really look at the website. So when I chose to do this thing, I got there thinking it would be like an artist in residency. Yes. And then I found out it was a missions program. Ah. And needless to say, we had some words, me and the Lord, (laughs) about that. That is funny. Wow. Okay, so you find yourself in Australia, Mm -hmm. and it's a little bit different experience than you had expected. Oh my yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if you have heard that song, No Longer a Slave to Fear. Yes, I love that song. The most recent songs by the Helsers, who are just amazing people. But it was the second week of that school when Jonathan Helser's dad was flown in and he taught on our training school and he did this thing there were like 54 of us before he came he prayed for each and every one of the students and asked the lord for a word for them which i had never heard was even possible so every day i'm watching people get their word and i'm like oh this is fruity like how could you know and then it was my turn and he basically read my mail like wow All of the things that he mentioned, I was like, well, he can talk to the Lord. OMG, you know? Yes. (laughs) And that was what started the next thing. Like, okay, so how do you hear from the Lord? And I had this thought where like, oh, I have all these memories of where I think that I've heard from the Lord. Like I pull the coffee shop one out of a Mm -hmm. hat and say, yeah. But to know that I could just have a friendship with the Lord. And I think that that's been the hallmark of what people know about me too, that When I tell a story, I'll be like, oh, the Lord told me this. And it's just everyday normal life talking to the Lord. And I think he's way smarter than me. So it was easy because like the things that would come into my mind were like scriptures I could never have pulled out of a hat or, you know, like promptings and even solutions and business ideas. I was going to mention this later, but the coffee shop that I ended up running for YWAM, (laughs) I used to ask the Lord how many milks and ice creams to buy. (laughs) 
Because it was like you just, we didn't have a lot of storage space and you could only go and rent a vehicle every so often. And so I would be like, okay, Lord, like how much this week? And it worked every single time. We were in budget. We had what we needed. And I just thought that was the greatest trick known to man because math is not my favorite. (laughs) And it sounds like too, tell me if you think this is true, but that was a way of God showing himself to you and revealing that relationship. Yeah. And when you use the term to have a word from the Lord, what is meant by that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I love that we're talking about this. (laughs) If you look in the Bible at the spiritual gifts, there's words of wisdom, words of knowledge, there's prophecy, and there's a whole bunch of other gifts. But since you ask word, it usually fields in those three things. And so if you ask the Lord for a word for somebody, you're asking him like what's in his heart for them? How does he want to reveal himself to them? And it's usually words of comfort, you know, like exhortation. They build you up. He's never someone who points his finger at you and is like, I know what you did last summer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> steps right into the middle of your hardest places. And that was my word. It was like, mm. no one would have known. Huh what was revealed there, but he stepped in the middle of the biggest sadness that I had with his word. And then was like, and this is what the Lord thinks about you. He wants to be a father to you. And I was like, whoa, like just my jaw dropped. I was like sitting with my arms crossed. Like, I think this is like shenanigans, you know? And then it was like, not shenanigans. (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. Thanks for more details on that. What were some other aspects of that YWAM experience that stick out to you or where you saw God at work? Yeah, I do this thing where I get just like moved by the Lord and I call it weepy spirit because no Mm -hmm. tears come out my eyes, but like (laughs) I'm just like so moved by what he does. So even that question, I'm just like, man, he did so many things for me in that season. My family is rather a small unit. And while I love church, because of the things that happened in my upbringing, I wasn't a connected person. I didn't trust people. And so to stick a girl full of communal hurt into a community that she had to live in and to say like, that's the way that I'm going to heal you. It taught me something so spectacular that whoever the Lord puts before you is a gift. It could be that they are from a total different country than you, but even if they don't like you, that there's something inside of that choice that the Lord brings people together for some sort of magic. Mm. And it's where most of my healing process happened, I think. And by healing, I mean like out of hurt, out of unforgiveness, out of bitterness, just fear of people. And yeah, some of my closest friends that I've ever had in my whole life were in that time, in that community. And I'm so grateful for those stories because I never had a best friend growing up. My sister and I were always pretty close, but to get to know people that didn't have to like me because they weren't family, To respect different cultures. I mean, all of that was beautiful. So I think that my favorite thing that I took out of Australia is the love of people's stories. Ah, that's great. 
I think other things that I saw the Lord move was just in how he chooses people for the things that he wants to do. So with the campus that our school was on, it was in an area of Brisbane where a lot of kids came from broken homes. And we used to send people into the schools to do like lunch program ministry so that they might have a chance of interacting with someone who knew Jesus, essentially. Mm -hmm. But part of my background story as well to finish up this, is I had a point in my life where um, we didn't have food on our table and I worked coffee as a way to help with the grocery needs in my family mentally I mean 16 years old maybe older maybe 17 trying to think of ways that I could help my family and not be a burden basically so when I saw kids that were hungry that didn't have a place to go at night because if they went home their parents would be alcoholic abusive to them i just thought to myself missions has to be practical we can't all be about saving people every Mm -hmm. single day well i respect that and there is a place for it i think that my heart on that campus was to not lead schools and train more people but to actually have a bridge in that community so when they wanted to start a coffee shop i had years of experience in this And what was interesting is that there were at least three people in front of me for that job. Two girls actually committed to it and they had some trouble with their visa issues. So I was asked to make the setup of the coffee shop. And I felt so chosen because I didn't even speak those words out loud. It was like, I don't want to do schools anymore. I know in my heart that I want to be part of the solution to what I see here. And they have this thing where people's furniture, they put on the side of the road at certain times of the year and you can and then just drive by it and pick it up or the dump will pick it up at the end of the week. So we got a lot of our furniture through these wow. drive-by setups. Mm-hmm. And just even setting up the coffee shop itself was a miracle story to me because the property itself had a building on it that could be perfect for traffic. Like there was a main road that ran in front of it. There was a little driveway that people could turn into and we just had to turn it from an office space into a coffee shop. It was cylinder block walls and like, how can you make this feel homey? But I have a knack for that, it turns out, on a very low budget (laughs) making places look exceptionally good. And from there, these other girls came to start it. One of them didn't stay and I just kept hearing in my heart, stay with it, just keep staying with it. Even though I wasn't the appointed person for it, I just kept staying with it and kept growing it, kept getting vision for it. And I learned in that season how the Lord's heart works. When is it that he wants you to sow into something? How does he give you those ideas? How does he fund them? And when is it time to leave? So like an example of him funding, one of the stories would be that we had this guy rock up who was a musician and he ended up being on The Voice a little bit later in Australia. Interesting. But he wanted to serve in our coffee shop, just be part of building a music ministry there. And we sat down and we came up with this idea called Porch Light Sessions, which the name I had heard in the eighth grade at a choir concert. Wow! And the Lord was like, file this away. I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm great at naming things. I'll do that. So we ended up transforming a wall of the coffee shop into like a log cabin kind of look Mm -hmm. with the door and then porch light on it and a small stage in front of it and it grew that we needed more space 
and all these people were inquiring as to actual gigs. I remember this one time, this guy from England had flown in and he was probably already doing a music tour, but he had heard about us and he wanted to play in our venue. Oh. So we, we became this huge big deal, basically. And it was all because the Lord just brought people mm-hmm. into the right spot at the right time. And then I started to feel a pivot in my heart about four years in to it being open, maybe five years in. And it was like my heart was turning back to the States. And interestingly enough, the Australian government changed their visa system so that if you were a religious worker, you could only have two of those visas. And I was on my last one. So to stay, I would have had to apply for permanent residency. But because I had the pivot in my heart and I had other reasons to go back, I didn't even have any more vision for what to do. I was just, I know that it is not mine to carry anymore. And if I stay, I had the same feeling that I had that day in the coffee shop. Mm -hmm. We're like, oh, I'll be stuck. I don't like that feeling. It's like, I think that's what the Lord does when he really wants me to move is just take <laughs> take yeah. the joy out of her. <laughs> so I pivoted and whoever the Lord brought to take over the coffee shop because it's still running was just an answer to prayer and a release for me too. So yeah, YWAM did so much in my life as far as character building. And I think that every organization has its ups and downs and good things and it's bad things for sure sure. but it's part of life to learn how to what is that adage um chew the meat and spit out the bones yes all right so you headed back to the states and then what happened where did god take you next i was in a season where i needed some physical healing and i wasn't able to work a job and i heard the lord tell me i needed to learn how to finish things (laughs) And I thought about it and I was like, yeah, you know, I spent all this money in college getting myself an art education degree. I always had opportunities to teach in Australia. I used it very regularly, but I never certified because I just was so wary of the hoop system with college. Like, man, they gave me a degree and now I have to take a test. Like, come on. So I had the time and and I was like, all right, I will honor you and I will finish this. So I took the praxis is what it's called. I had to study all this art history that I'd forgotten and I did quite well on the praxis. I finished that, ticked that box. And what was amazing is that after I'd done that, I was feeling well enough to work a job. So there was this career fair in Montana at the fairgrounds. And I don't even usually go to those things, but I knew I was supposed to go. I went and I met this lady who was the superintendent of schools in Bozeman, Montana. And she needed a secretary for the summer. So she called me a little later and it wasn't on my radar because I was just trying to get to know the school system around that career fair and I wasn't necessarily shopping for a job. But she called me and she's like, oh, why don't you come do this? And it was like organizing an office and answering phones and typing up some things. And I really love organizing. Uh So it was right up my alley. And through that job, I learned about the homeschool community in Montana. And one of the schools that was formed out of the homeschool community was called Emerge, which I just love the lady that had that idea. I love everything about that school. It was my first job teaching officially. And I was a middle school and high school art teacher. And I worked there for two years. And then I heard the Lord say that I was going to move again. And what was really cool is the head of that school actually grew 
up in San Diego. Oh, wow. So when I finally had the job at SFC, she was a huge help in just the moving process. But how I landed at SFC and where I moved is also quite a story. So I had applied all these places. And when I was driving that day, I heard Santa Fe in my head. So I went home and I started Googling New Mexico. And I was like, oh, I don't want to live in the desert. Look at all of this. This does not look like a good point. And there were no job postings in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So I was like, okay. So just a short while later, the post for Santa Fe Christian came up and I applied and I was two interviews in before I figured out that it was in California. (laughs) Oh, how funny. But it's just a sweet little confirmation because in my second interview, I asked the head of schools about the Holy Spirit. And he even stopped the conversation at one point. He was, I love how you talk about Holy Spirit. You don't say the Holy Spirit. It's like that's a third person to you. Mm. So I just felt so much confirmation in that. And I ended up moving here to California. And I'm starting this year my fourth school year with wow. SFC. <laughs> wow. What? They are just so blessed to have you, Callie. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's interesting. So I always wonder, like, why does the Lord pick you to go to a certain place? And I think that my answer to that question comes down to my love of people's stories. It's that every student that I have met and in my dealings, sometimes the Lord wants to use me as the, they really don't like you and confrontation is hard, but just stick with it. And sometimes I get to teach them how to hear the Lord or I get to help them understand what relationship actually is like with the Lord. And I think that those are the reasons, those personalities. If it hadn't have been me, those people wouldn't have been as open. So it is all about the Lord connecting you. And this is another segue that I would think about because I'm a deep thinker. It's like, what is community in our day and age? Mm -hmm. Is it the physical relationship and friendships because you picked them? Or is it that the Lord brings you to people? And so I have wrestled and wrestled being a new place, having to build network here because I don't have family here. It's three years we had the shutdown in it. Loneliness is a human thing. Sure. But I think that what I've learned is that the Lord picking people is really important and that you can have long distance relationships and that is still a community to work a bigger network than what is just here. And I think I've also learned that it is entirely what you look at. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that says where your eyes fix, your feet follow. And so I think it would have been easy for me to give up in the first couple of years that I was here to focus on loneliness. But if I kept looking and kept asking the Lord for stories, and it's those stories like, oh my gosh, follow the Lord because you're going to have an adventure. And it just is never going to look like what you think it's going to be. But that's part of what's so beautiful and unique about everybody's story. Mm-hmm. That's good. And Callie, I'm curious, when you talk about God putting you in community and relationships, it sounds like a lot of that has to do with, of course, 
God is guiding that. He is sovereign. He knows what's best for you and for others. So he's guiding our lives. And then he's also using that to grow us. So in the hard situations, I kind of heard you saying you don't like conflict, for instance. So having Mm -hmm. to deal with some conflict and love people, even though you may not be feeling that same love back, perhaps. Yeah. Well, I've made an addendum in my life Yes. (laughs) that... Uh, conflict actually is a very beautiful thing because it allows both parties to bear their hearts and the reason that it's okay is that you choose to not walk away from that relationship you are willing to grow so it's not that I don't like conflict it's that I don't like conflict where people don't want to lean in and so I think you and I Ellen we talk about the Enneagram quite a lot in our friendship but being an Enneagram 7, <laughs> yes. this whole being liked thing is a real yes. deal. <laughs> oh my goodness, for me too, boy. So meeting people that aren't necessarily warm at yes. the beginning, or me being kind of triggery in places where I've been hurt before, I can see the kindness in the Lord with just keep the ball rolling like every day, like here's a measure of grace, just keep mm-hmm. walking in it. And just seeing the doors that open and why they open and not judge that they're not who I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. But that's it. Just trust the story. That's the most important thing. By that, do you mean trust in his story for you? Yeah. Oh, I love that. It reminds me, I got to teach The Horse and His Boy by C.S. Lewis and Aslan, the lion who represents Jesus. One of my favorite lines that the lion says is, that's not your story. Yeah. So there's a character that's worried about someone else's story or thinking, why did they get that advantage and I don't? And Aslan says, well, that's not your story. And I just love that because... You know, in some other podcasts, we've talked about how we can compare ourselves with others. And there's just no need for that because that's their story. God's working in that. And then this is my story. And and what is he doing? So this is exciting. That is so powerful because I have heard that comparison is the thief of joy. Yes. And you can feel it. If you don't recognize what comparison is in your thoughts, it's a death trap (laughs) Mm -hmm. because all it is, is trying to measure lack essentially. And so for me, learning in YWAM to love differences was the point where I stopped feeling insecure for mine. Oh, I love that. And I understood through teaching that different people are going to open up and shine because of what my life offers, what my story has been, or they're going to look at me and walk away because I'm not their flavor of Mm -hmm. soda or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, and that those are all choices. And just to watch your heart, you know, because I think you have to love you Mm -hmm. so much. And that's what helps you not worry about comparison so much. I love that. And just to jump into that, I've been thinking a lot about this lately and just how important it is for us to love that God made us a certain way. He loves us. This is who he's made you to be. He doesn't want you to be like someone else. And I think that's part of leaning in as well, that we're leaning into who he's made us to be. And he doesn't make mistakes. Yes. I actually don't want to go to my high school reunion ever, but (laughs) I would love to wow and amaze people from 
back then with who I am now <laughs> because I am a living testimony of how the Lord changes people completely. For example, in senior year, in your yearbook, you get voted different themes, basically. Yes. So my high school wasn't exactly the nicest with their categories, mm-hmm. but I was voted the shyest girl. So oh. forever going down in the memories of my high school for the fear that I carried around, which at the time, nobody knew why I was disconnected. Mm-hmm. And that's okay, because hiding is what you do if you don't have money or if you have been hurt in some way. It makes yes. sense. Anyway, so I think that the way that the Lord changed me was through community. But what I had to get rid of was a lot of fear, right? And I think that what I learned about him is that he's a restorer at his core. He has made me into somebody who is whole, complete, and lacking nothing. And able to put myself in bold situations, give my opinion, work in environments that are run by men, for example, and be a leader in that. I'm able to move to a different place and meet people. I could live in another country and run a business. All of those things were steps, you know. And I think that something that I've learned about the enemy when it comes to the restoration of the children of God is that a common thing he likes to say to us, other than making us doubt what we heard, is to make you doubt your healing. So like I, you know, have social anxiety every now and then still, but it's because of so many other factors and I was healed. I don't have the fear that I used to carry, but from the outside, it would be easy for someone to say, oh, she hasn't been healed. But what I've seen is, you know how in lawns, dandelions, if you pluck one, it grows up in another area. Uh Conquering fear. The Lord is not just like, I'm going to remove social anxiety from you. It's I'm going to make you bold and stout-hearted in every way of your life. And so that can be in business. And that can be teaching high school, which was your living nightmare. Or (laughs) there's no place that the Lord leaves untouched. And so healing is actually, it is a process, but it is a victory after a victory. And it just goes deeper and deeper. It's not that you don't win battles. It's that when you win it, you take that territory and you find a tool to use to win it in the next round you just keep winning that's great i know yeah so that is pretty much how the lord has made me someone just ridiculously different (laughs) that is exciting and i do have to say i'd never heard of shyest for a category before that's very very interesting usually they're superlatives in a positive way yes But how exciting, Callie, to see what a milestone that was back then to who you are now. I mean, that is even more of a testimony that you were given that title and to have been healed and to keep growing. Yeah, because I think the thing that we need most in this world is people. Good. In the church, every single person is important. Mm. What I'm excited to be hearing too is just to even go beyond that and think about every person's story Yeah, that Jesus is at work in and just how deep and beautiful that is. This is just perfect segue. Good, good. I have a side business and it's one of my favorite side projects. I have a lot of side projects. I'm definitely a business girl. 
But one of my side projects is that I help business leaders transition their business to whatever it is that they're dreaming for. And I do that through basically prayer and through strategy help. And so people's stories, as I've stepped into this role, I've had this vision of Father God's office being filled with books. And he pulls one off the shelf for me to look at. And it's one person's life. He's like, this is what I love about this story. This is who I made this person to be. And I remember at a teacher's training once talking about how I felt like certain characteristics in the person I was talking with were being highlighted to me and they were like aligned with God's original design and intent. And she wasn't a a Christian. And she said to me, she's like, well, I feel like that's really judgmental because don't we get to pick who we get to be, who I want to be? And I just love what Eugene Patterson says in his book, Reading with Horses. He says that some decisions the Lord made and I don't ever have to make them. And I think that Another following Jesus aspect is letting him write your story and unveil like, oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. My joy, my laughter, they are beautiful things to me. I am a sunshine, Mm -hmm. if you will, not to be like toss, toss, (laughs) (laughs) but oh man, like he redeemed that. I used to be filled with sorrow. And so that is an alignment of my own character. And so when I'm doing all these business consultations, I'm listening not just to like the problem, but to who the person is and who the Lord has made them to be. So that in handling that transition, like they're growing their own skills to not be afraid. Don't let fear make that decision Mm -hmm. for you. Embodying the story that the Lord gives to you. Mm. And I think that my favorite thing in the world is story if you haven't heard that yet (laughs) i was just thinking yes that seems like a common theme yeah and i don't know if this is a good time to talk about it it. but are you writing a children's story callie yes ma'am the word about becoming a children's writer has been different and it was actually given to me it wasn't on my radar but i had a vision maybe a picture of if you have a memory that's like photographs i could look back through different moments where i had like a camera click in my mind and think like that person in that moment was this children's book character Mm. so i have the pictures and i i know what the story is that i want to say but choosing the right amount of words to like put that together is challenging and writing for younger people is challenging because Mm -hmm. I've spent my life working with adults and I think to me it's learning that he wants my opinion too in the process it's not just oh the Lord gave me this story but there's those empty spaces Mm -hmm. between what he gives and what you get to partner with and I think For me, the confidence builder and the the process time with it is right there in the the gaps. Like, how much do I actually believe that this is part of my story and that I'm worthy, that I have things to say that are going to be great? And I can see it. And now it's just like being on that precipice and choosing to just be in it. 
Wow. That's great. Very neat. And this is very elementary, but just the fact that we're not robots, that there is freedom in our lives. It's such an interesting dynamic that God is definitely guiding us and leading us, but yet he gives us some freedom too. And it seems like that's a little bit about what you're saying as well, that you've got freedom in the story. Yeah. Ah, It's so funny, but it's so difficult. (laughs) And And I love it because this is another thing I would say as far as walking with God goes. Um, The former dreams, like the coffee shop, I stepped into his dream. And so I was learning the process of following. But the process of birthing something, taking up real estate, choosing to put your identity. I'm not saying be defined by Mm -hmm. what you do. I'm saying like putting all that is inside of you into this word. And so with writing a children's book. It's like I get a mirror to see the Lord smiling back at me. Like, this Mm. is so beautiful. Like, I know this is your 16th draft, but like, (laughs) look at this. Look at what you're able to do. I think I've got a little timidity with the public response to it, but I mean, it's not going to matter in the end because of all of these affirmations I've gotten while I'm hunting it down. (laughs) Yes, that's good. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Anything you want to leave us with or that you want to make sure people know or understand about the Lord? The theme would be to say, trust your story. A lot of people don't want to go to heaven, for example, because they think it's going to be boring. They think that the Lord is this rigid, old, judgy man, you know? But if they knew how fun each story was, how specific his love is, how filling it is, that when people say, like, I don't need anything else, it's not just that they're holy, pious nuns. It is because he's such a good relater. So at the Sunday church service, there was this missionary couple sharing about their life and the miracles that they've seen in everyday normal life. And part of my heart was, oh God, I miss that. I used to have people pull into that coffee shop because the Lord told them to. They didn't know it was the Lord, but they're like, I just had this feeling I had to come in here. What is this place? And we pray for them and they get healed of something. That was everyday normal life. Seeing a cafe be in the positive, you know, like usually it takes two or three years. And it was just a quick, there were so many miracles in just everyday normal life. And I felt for just a moment, I forgot, like it's so easy to be comfortable here. But then I remembered all the Lord does is show you different sides of his face. So in being a good relater, he changes your story just a little bit so you can learn something else different. And in adulting that part of my story, giving me security, it wasn't me saying I don't want to live by faith anymore. It was a learning opportunity to have something stable for a while. Like what a gift that was for me. So faith and relating with the Lord If you trust your story, (laughs) it is a beautiful path to walk. It's going to have doubts, but (laughs) I don't know how people do their life without the Lord. I understand their sadness. I really do. I understand their frustration, but my whole life would be entirely different if I hadn't have made the decisions that I did and 
He's one of my favorite people, Jesus. <laughs> it's so much fun. <laughs> I think it's such a privilege and a treasure to get to see and experience a real relationship with the Lord that you've brought us today. There's a lot to reflect upon here. So <laughs> thank you, Kelly. Love you tons. I'm excited for what he'll be doing next, the next chapter of your story. Oh, yes. Yes. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. This is Ellen Bennett with the Extraordinary Lives Podcast.